swing on a star, carry moonbeams home in a jar, and be better off than you are. Or would you rather be a pig? Uh, hello, welcome. This is uh, Mike Friday again with the Greenlight Podcast. Uh, thank you for tuning in again this week. This week's super exciting. We've got Michaela Dyke. Uh, she's just an incredible actor. She's a writer. She's uh, We worked together. Well, we didn't work together. We worked versus each other during the comedy coup. Uh, she was doing Good Morning Tonight, which is now being produced into a full web series. Um, she did Dying Hard all across the country. She's currently performing in Jewel here at the LSPU Hall. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to her about sort of what it's like moving from here to Toronto and just, you know, working uh, at, at her caliber, uh, which is really amazing. Again, if there were any products or services or anything that anyone wanted to, you know, you'd throw 20 bucks at me and ride me around like a pony for an hour. I don't care. Uh, this is where I would promote said product or service um, in the future. So hopefully there will be something in this slot later because uh, anything helps. So thank you. We're really excited for this episode and uh, enjoy. A new kind of jumped up slippery fish and all the monkeys. Cool. So um, yeah, welcome to this podcast, which we just named. Um, I probably didn't even have to admit that. We just named it. What is what is we, the name? Uh, the, uh, the name of it is the Green Light Podcast now. Thank you so, for having me on the Green Light Podcast now. Yeah, you're, you're very welcome. I'm very happy to have you. I'll keep now in the name, too. All right. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we're just going to we'll just have a, have a nice little chat. So, how uh, so you have another show tonight for Jewel. So, you're doing Jewel in town. Yes, yeah. I'm doing Jewel with uh, Team Broken Earth, and Leo Fury is producing and directing it. It's been a fantastic run so far. We've had two shows down. We've got three more to go. Yeah, five show run is, is crazy. Have you done like longer runs than that? I guess with yeah. Dying Hard was... Dying Hard ran for five years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but uh, yeah, I've done over a, a hundred shows. I think I did the math and it's slightly over a hundred shows of Dying Hard. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, that one ran for a long time. But then otherwise in... Uh, I, think, I think Newfoundland is very unique in the fact that you only have kind of week runs or one or two night runs. Oh, shows. is that just a thing here? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's, it's financially difficult, I think, to make money off of only one or two nights when you're rehearsing for like three weeks. Right. Like, how do you... So in Toronto, for instance, I've got a show opening on the 22nd called Slip. Okay. And that one's going to run for three weeks, which is a pretty standard run in Toronto. Oh, cool. Sometimes you get held over for like four or five, which is... Uh, Dana Puttacombe, who's from here, she was just in a massively well-reviewed show uh, called La Chasse Galerie, which was done by the Storefront Theatre. Oh, okay. It was a musical, uh, kind of a winter Christmas musical about a Quebec folk tale, and that one went over like a house on fire, and oh, I think really? they did six weeks of run. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, it was... Is a house on fire like a good a good thing? Is that a theater yeah. term? I don't know. No, it's absolutely not. Like what it I is, will is... watch a house fire with gusto, but like <laughs> I don't know if that's like a common thing. Wow, my cat is being really, <laughs> really aggressively nice right now. Lick my face. You can't see this, but this silent <laughs> animal is licking Michaela's face um, and just batting you. What? What are you even looking at? Go away. Go away, sir. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Um, uh, no, House on Fire is from a friend of mine once got a, uh, was talking about somebody who they got along with and they said, oh, we get along like a house on fire. <laughs> and it's something that's stuck in my like language. Cause I think that's such a great, if you think of like a, a, a house 
catching on fire. Like, the fire gets along really quickly. Right. And really fast. Oh, and so burns it's... very hot. I thought it was a really apt metaphor, and now I just use it for everything. Who's the is... house and who's the fire? I just, I think they both, they They're get both, along. They're both, both, yeah. yeah. That relationship was like a house on fire. Okay. So now I just use it uh, to describe anything going well. I like that. I'm going to keep it, which is strange. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've never uh, thought of it as something weird. I have lots of that. I don't know if you find that you pick up other people's uh, phrases or turns of phrase. Yeah. And then you start using them. And yeah. They morph and become other things. Yeah, I can't think of one that I... I do, I do tend to, like, pick up other people's other people's stuff. Like, with, like, the, the cheersing and the hitting the table mm. thing. Like, I find myself doing that, like, unconsciously. And then I feel bad. Because you're like, oh, no, I'm Because now I'm forcing thing. other people who don't do it to do it. Because then you do it, and they're like, oh, am I supposed to? And then they're, and so everybody's looking at each other. We're all like, should we hit the table? And You know what? I, I think that's the way these things get passed around. Yeah. And if it's generational, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how you know you're a part of this generation. It's like, oh, yeah, I was in St. John's when yeah. Mike Farty was doing that cheers hit the table thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That fell out of fashion. Yeah. <laughs> And I notice you you do you do this thing as well with your hands. So like when you take your hands and you put them under your chin, and yeah. You like I call it the face shelf. <laughs> I used to do that all the time because uh, I, I was watching uh, an improviser or Kirsten Rasmussen, who you know. Oh right, yeah. yeah. And she used to do that all the time. She just always had hands on faces like shelves all over the place, and yeah. I just started doing it. I couldn't help it. Uh, no, that's a good point. I haven't I haven't noticed if she does it. I definitely do it all the time. Yeah. I'm constantly like framing my face by being like. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I keep thinking I'm like an internet meme or like an emoji. Right. <laughs> like that's my way of being, I'm so embarrassed, but also thank you. Right. Yeah. I do it when I'm bringing up like touchy topics or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, are they still together? And then just like put the, <laughs> and then it's like, oh, he's cute. He doesn't, you know, yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not trying to be offensive. Yeah. <laughs> That'd uh, be a new way. I wonder like, uh, how much racism people could get away with if they put in the face shelf. I would hope none. None. Well, you never know. I mean, we would hope none. Yeah. We'd hope that no one would be trying, I guess. Yeah, that's the dream, that no one tries to get away with racism. <laughs> People just stumble into it accidentally <laughs> and then apologize and learn. That's the hope. <laughs> so when are you back in Toronto? I'm back in Toronto. I leave. So we close this show on the 10th. That's the last show. And then on the 11th, I fly back to Toronto. And then I have a day off. And then on the 13th, I'm in rehearsal for this show that opens on the 22nd. Wow. Yeah, that's great. That's like the best kind of busy. It is. Yeah, it's a little bit terrifying because uh, it's really like we have a week to rehearse and then three or four days of tech, and then we go straight into doing this show. Right. Um, so I'm a little bit nervous about that, but um, I trust the people I'm working with, and and I'm like a supporting cast member. I'm not one of the leads, so I don't okay. have to worry about like learning a huge chunk of text. I right. have several scenes that I have to be in and then some, a lot of choreography for the actual show. Oh, okay. Like, um, and by choreography, I mean like blocking choreography. Right. right. You're not dancing? No, I'm not dancing. No, it's uh, not the dancing kind of, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, uh, it's, uh, I'm not sure exactly how the show's going to work either because I haven't been in on the rehearsals. They've right. been rehearsing through December. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it we'll is see. such a it's such a long rehearsal process for I find that a big difference between like film and theater like mm -hmm. film you do one rehearsal yeah. if you're lucky maybe yeah like a couple of days before or on the same day block light shoot kind yeah. of thing yeah. yeah and then with the but with with theater you're rehearsing like three months mm -hmm. like in advance which is but it's also a different in that like. Uh, on film, it's not so much about you uh, as it is, I think, about the camera. 
and, and right. the production team. So, like, you have movies like Gone Girl, where Ben Affleck is an all right actor. He's right. pretty good. <laughs> but he's not as good as David Fincher makes him look like he is. Right. And a lot of that has to do with all of the other people who are involved in a, in a film. And in theater, there are so many other people involved, but it's like their work finishes almost by the time you get to the stage. By the time you're on the stage, it's mm-hmm. just the actors, and then it's the lighting people and your stage managers and your sound technicians. Right. Like those are it's you and often like three other people, and and that's it. Who's yeah. really running the show? Unless it's a musical and there's like people moving sets right. and stuff. Yeah. But then you have more technical rehearsals. That's why they do previews for weeks in Broadway. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, previews and stuff, which I only learned through Birdman. Yeah. Those existed. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, like, I've, yeah. I've done very, very little theater, and I've done one play that wasn't a musical. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because I, I, I auditioned, like, they asked me to come in and audition for this musical, and I was like, well, I can't sing, and I can't dance, and I've never memorized lines, but if you're okay with those three <laughs> facts... I will come in and do it. And they were uh, like, you're probably going to be fine. Yeah, and they were like, whatever, do it. It's huh. fine. Um, and it was like, it was a lot of fun. Like, uh, I, I did enjoy it, but it was, it was like that long process. And I was looking at the director and I was like, you must be terrified when the show actually starts. Oh. Because then you just have to go and yeah. watch it. Yeah, and you can't save anything no. if anything goes And then it's all it's all on. I directed once, one theater, and it was for like a directing course. And right. I was so, so <laughs> horribly anxious when it was happening. I was like, this is the only time I have genuinely thought that I might go throw up. Right. Because it was all out of my hands. Right. There is no, this is it. I did the best I could, I right. guess. Right. That must be how a parent feels when like their kid moves out or yeah. something like that. Like it must just be like, I did all I could and now it's just, it's up to them and yeah. I'm, I'm out of the equation now. Just, just have to let it roll and you just see the pictures coming in on Facebook and yeah. you're like, no, just no. Just so long as the pictures aren't coming in on America's Most Wanted. Right, yeah. Totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, I imagine it must be Ugh, yeah. terrifying. So what was your, um, what was like the, what was, did you, I, I can't remember, like how long were you working in Newfoundland before you moved up to Toronto? In uh... Uh, Well, so I was here until I was about, let's say 20, 21. And then I moved up to Toronto and, and I had been working for a while because like I took over the uh, improv game stuff when mm-hmm. I was maybe 17 or 18. Me and Dave Cox, we ran the regionals for the Canadian Improv Games here and I had done some shows but it was mostly bit parts. Right. And then I did a show with Jamie McDonald. Okay. Yeah. Um uh, called Sky which was kind of the last thing I did before I left and I think that was the first time anyone who came to see it was like, "Oh, I guess she can act." It's oh. not just like a thing. Uh but then I moved to Toronto and and found it really difficult to get into the theater scene there. Was accepted by the film community almost immediately. Oh, okay. Like the first thing I did really that was big in Toronto was a feature film. I was wow. the female lead in a feature film that hasn't uh, done anything really. It's no? A, it, it's an Is indie... it out? Like, can it be watched? Or It's online, actually. It's called Sight on Scene. It's by Zonial Pictures. Gord Downey is in it. Okay. Uh, the lead is a guy named Slim Twig. He's a, a real cool, experimental uh, rock musician. And, and they just did another documentary uh, about um, having uh, an arm, a mechanical arm. Because okay. the guy who directed the show, uh, Ross Turnbull, is he's got a mechanical arm. He's wow. born like as a I don't know what you'd say a warrant person. Like he's, yeah. he's got, so he's got a, a mechanical arm. But it wasn't it wasn't amputated. He was born just yeah. Without, he was just okay. born yeah. without an arm. So um so I forget the name of it. It's in my email. I wish I could look it up. But 
anyways, they were fantastic. They were amazing. Right. And and they really kind of took me in from go. And then I went out to the fringe and did a show called Reflections on Giving Birth to a Squid, which was written by a very talented writer David Levine. And then uh, when I came back from that, the producer from Sight Unseen said, "Hey, I think you're really talented." Uh, what do you want to do this year? And I will help make that happen. Wow. Which was, I, like, that's yeah, yeah, that's a dream. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then I, I brought Rachel Corey, my name is Rachel Corey, home to Newfoundland to research Dying Hard. And then Dying Hard took off, and I did that for about four or five years. Yeah. And then I wrote a second solo show with uh, Aaron Rodgers called Epic Pitch and did that for about two. And then kind of decided it was uh, time to, like, plant feet in Toronto and not tour the country constantly right. and see if I could do that and, and I did that about two years ago and uh, got a wonderful agent Jen Littlewood with Jordan and Associates and then like this year I cracked the film and TV union which is a big deal right in Canada uh, especially for women I think as a dude you can kind of stay non-union for a little bit longer because there's less of you and more parts right <laughs> but, but for a woman it's like you you will not get an audition for a tv show unless right. you're already in in the union so. yeah right okay so uh here's hoping that this is the year i actually get to audition for stuff that's uh fun <laughs> not that commercials aren't fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> i had a lot of fun but you're great at ones. quitting smoking in that in the I commercial that i saw so good at quitting smoking yeah. considering i never really was a smoker <laughs> Um, those are all fake cigarettes in that commercial. They still smell terrible and taste terrible, but you know they're all <laughs> fake. That was really that was really fun. Yeah, yeah. Have what? Have you done any like super weird commercials like on the way? Uh, no. I've done a lot of short films. Okay. Like at the university colleges and like stuff. Like just going there. in and being like, "Do you need an actor?" Like yeah. yeah. Well, they put out an, an announcements on on the thing, and you can audition for them whether you're union or non-union. Normally. Oh, okay. got a thing for it it's a really great way actually to build a reel and get experience cool i've been killed in almost everything oh I've that's my dream been in. yeah oh, i love getting killed in movies it's i my have favorite thing. Uh, i've been found dead in the woods covered in blood i've had my throat slit i've jumped off a building i've been thrown out a window <laughs> i what else has happened to me uh i gave birth to an alligator <laughs> Oh my god, did it eat you? Or was it like, no, did no, it like it was, you? It was a comedy film. Oh. There was a, a joke about me cheating on my husband and him With being an like, well, you clearly cheated. And I'm like, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> like, it's like, it's like, it's an alligator. Uh, that was for Daniel Curland, who's in uh, New York now. He's hilarious, those guys. That was a long time ago now, it feels like. But yeah, I don't. It, it's it's like you build it by little bits and pieces, and and I found like making my own work has opened so many doors to me. Right. In ways that for sure wouldn't have been possible if I was just uh, auditioning in Toronto, because it can be it can be a bit of a hard scene. I think uh, not not that people are mean. It's just like there are so many people, so to get noticed. Right. People are like, why would I talk to you? There are like a million blonde ladies yeah, here. Right. <laughs> and so yeah, so. Uh, that's been nice. Yeah, I've been like, I've been, I've been sort of like terrified of the whole, like Toronto is just like a huge, very large question mark to me, like mm -hmm. when, when I go up and I went up for, for comedy one time uh, and like most of the people that I met were like super, super nice and I was like blown away by the stand-up scene there because it was like, I was going to these shows and I saw the worst stand-up <laughs> immediately followed by the best stand-up I had ever seen. Yeah. And like just both sides of it all on the same show, just like yeah. going crazy. Oh, Gordon, that's a great time to do that. <laughs> he never cares about this. Your I'm cat telling. is determined to disrupt us. 
Um, but I, the garbage there. I think that's Canada, actually. Oh, yeah, I, I guess. I think there's so few of us that you really can. If you want to meet somebody who's doing really well or who's at a certain level in their career, you can probably just meet them because we're all kind of in this same uh, industry. Right. And, and people are really accessible um, in a way that I, I didn't think that they would be. And I thought going in, I would be like, oh, no, I'm so much worse. Like, I'm so much lower down than everybody else. Right. But it's really, <laughs> I think it's really more about just uh, making those connections and networking in a way that will get you that work. Right. I, I am always shocked how willing people are to, like like, meet with you or even just like to, to work on projects without like I was always we're, we're shooting a short film pretty soon and like everybody who signed on was like we'll do it and we'll yeah. do it for free like we have no we couldn't get any money mm-hmm. um, so like nobody none of us are getting paid um, it's all going to the production yeah so it's all and and even that I mean like we're we're using free space or like like a friend of ours house and stuff like that absolutely like, yeah. yeah and I, I think that's true too there like we uh, I shot a um, a series, a web series in June that I co-wrote with a buddy of mine, Kyle Stevenson, and we got approached by our producers. They were like, here are the people we want for it, and we were like, oh, we know them a little bit, but right. we'll ask, and we ended up getting, uh, like, Fa- Faisal Butt is in it, uh, who's an amazing stand-up comedian, and Til- Tim Gilbert is in it, right. and, like, just murders the scene he's in. He's oh, really? so <laughs> funny. So, it was perfect casting. They were totally right, but... Like, I, I don't know those guys that well, and, and I send them a message being like, hey, would you be interested? I think it could be fun. We need you for a day at most. Right. Um, we'll send you pictures and copies of whatever it is, but we can't really pay anyone. And, yeah. And they... But you're pulling off some crazy stuff with that too, right? Like, you've got, like, like blood cannons. And... Oh, yeah. Our producers uh, burned every bridge for us. <laughs> they really, we, it's an under 10 grand production, and we built a studio in an abandoned warehouse. There was, like, a steel pipe mill next door so there is one episode that like i i because i edited it and i like watching the thing we have to stop every 20 seconds because there's just a huge amount of clanging oh really (laughs) and luckily this is a scene that was just me and kyle but like by midway through shooting it we were both exhausted oh really cannot stand that this keeps happening and then (laughs) we pass the exhausted point and get silly again and then so like putting that together was a nightmare (laughs) but uh but it works, and I'm really proud of it. I mean, like anything, I'm a perfectionist. There's always some things that I'm like, maybe I could change this. Right. But that's supposed to also be coming out in January. We're just waiting for it to go through our sound editor. Oh, okay. And then I have to tune up some of the graphics on it, and then, and then we'll be done. But it's very absurd, uh, Tim and Eric-style kind of comedy. Right. Because yeah. it's is is it is it all at all similar to the way that you were doing it in comedy coup? Or? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not exactly the same because obviously we have more of a budget and people who know how to work a camera, which we didn't right. have when we were doing comedy coup. But it is, uh, it's Kyle and I play breakfast television hosts, morning show hosts uh, in the year twenty sixty six, when the world is kind of on the verge of a serious apocalypse. Right. But we're the shiny, happy faces <laughs> trying to keep everyone calm and make sure no one panics. Right. So uh, it's very silly, very gross, very weird. It's perfect. I like it very much. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the stuff that, that was coming out during uh, Comedy Coup. Yeah. I, I really like that. So I'm very excited to see where you guys go now that you have, you know, 
the, the real like the, yeah. the means to like move farther i mean we we have a niche we know yeah <laughs> we know we were like oh this won't win we're not going to appeal to like we'll appeal to 10 percent of the people yeah. <laughs> so many of the comics were what is this yeah this is scary yeah. and i was like yep yeah, that's right you're right good job perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a, so where where's that where are you releasing that so that's going to be on YouTube, and okay. it's going to be uh, on their channel. They're called Crazy Shirt Production. Okay. Um, they've been fantastic this entire time. So that was our, our deal with them is, is they were going to produce it, and we're a part of the channel that they're trying to uh, put up. So they also have another show that's on there already, and then they've got another one in development that's almost ready to go as well. Uh, their other show is called Touring T.O., Okay. And, and they won a screenwriting award at Hollywood Fest down in California. Ooh. So we're trying to release in time to make that festival uh, deadline this January as well. Cool. But that's, uh, I'm so excited. Man, it looks really, like our costume lady, the set designer, the production designer yeah. who came in was brilliant. He had like a little <laughs> machine shop and he was just like, all right, well, let's churn out something for this. And just made these props that are hilarious in her own right. And uh, we've got our sound designer has like a theme song that he just sent back and forth. And we finally got approval on the other day. And I just love it. Yeah. It's so catchy and weird. <laughs> and I, yeah, I just really hope it twigs with people. Because, yeah. yeah, it's it's something we spend. Kyle and I basically decided we were going to do a project for one year. Right. And see where it went. Yeah. And regardless of whether or not we made it through Comedy Coup or found a producer, like we didn't find anybody. We were just gonna film it in my apartment. Right. Uh, I'm so glad we found them. Yeah. <laughs> like um, we, neither of us know how to work a camera very well. Or a blood cannon. Or probably. well, yeah. And there's yeah. no way we had a blood cannon. <laughs> no, you put like you just bleed into like a hair dryer uh, or something. And... Yeah, I feel like that would have gone miserably <laughs> wrong. We would both been electrocuted. But so. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really exciting, and and I think part of it was I approached like seven or eight different producers trying to find a team for this, yeah, uh, and couldn't find anyone who was interested enough. And and I'm very, uh, I have uh, a very specific thing for people who I want to work with. They have to be excited about it, like me. I don't want somebody tagging on, being like, yeah, I guess I'll help you, right. I don't think that that's a good working relationship. No. So uh, I just happened to be at a friend's house and he was like, oh, hey, you've got a project you're trying to sell. Steven's looking for projects. And when I mentioned the name of it, he was like, wait, did you do Comedy Coup? And he oh, already yeah. knew it. So it was like a perfect uh, fit. And and they were amazing. Every time we came to them with a joke that we were like, we'll probably have to cut this. It's, it's probably too expensive. <laughs> they were like, no, we'll make it work. We'll figure it out. Uh, what a so, dream. Yeah, they were a dream team. Really enjoy working with those guys. Yeah, right now the people that I'm trying to work with uh, are the people who will sit next to me and be like, that's too expensive. Stop. Yeah. Stop doing that. Yeah. Write something cheaper, please. I tried to write something cheaper and I wrote something even more expensive yeah, by accident for these guys. Yeah, continuously happens to yeah. me. Yeah, but they, um, I, I think that's good. You should have people who rail you in. Like we did end up having to cut one joke because we just couldn't find a way to make it right. uh, work. But we just kind of modified it for, for the thing. And that was fine. It still looks great. What was it? Can you talk about it? Like what it was? Um, okay, I can talk about it. I'm going to talk about it abstractly so okay. that it doesn't ruin a thing. But right. we had a monster and we wanted to hang uh, Kyle upside down from the ceiling. 
and uh, by like uh, in a new hope yeah like, by like a giant tentacle yeah. yeah we wanted a giant tentacle to <laughs> hang and we have like our production designer could have built like a giant monster but it was just we got to a point where it was like yeah we can't really afford it in the budget anymore <laughs> yeah. so so our uh, special effects artist who also did makeup and was such a dream <laughs> she's oh man fantastic yeah. she made so much stuff out of just like yeah, I can probably figure that out. And she would go to the craft table and, like, grab some bananas and then, like, make us, like, brains and, what? like, others. Oh, God, so many things. <laughs> she was so fantastic. She was, like, uh, she just, it was one of those things where she was, like, I could do that, but it would cost, like, this amount extra. And we were, like, God, we just, just can't. do it with it's bananas. Just, just How not many bananas budget. do you need? Oh, she was amazing. Yeah. She, uh, long-suffering. We would keep coming to her and being, like, what about this? And she'd be, like... I mean, I've got an extra 20 minutes. <laughs> so uh, she deserves a huge shout out and a huge thank you. That's for amazing. Sure. Oh, God, she made it so gross for us. It was great. Some stuff I couldn't stand. I thought I would be able to handle it better. Kyle was way better, and he hates horror movies, and I love oh, really? horror movies. Yeah. But like having some stuff in my mouth, I was like, ah, yeah. uh, this is gross. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's nice. I, I think it's nice to have somebody there who's like willing to make that that's especially when i i find that like the worst like i i shot a horror movie where i made all the blood for it yeah and then at one point we were like we have to put the blood in somebody's mouth and i was like mm, like nothing in it is toxic but they're not going to be happy yeah and it's like uh, like i've had to uh in the past somebody made fake puke for me oh yeah and i had to puke it and it was like Gross. the worst the yeah. worst thing in the world they were like can we make it look more red and then they started adding ketchup and tabasco sauce to oh. it and i was like i'm real real sad real sad about real this. sad about yeah. this yeah not into this at all we had uh arlie curran had to do a thing and she did it like a pro <laughs> like, <laughs> i had to leave the room like really? she started doing it i was like no no i'm gonna be <laughs> i was like no can't do it so yeah i it's yeah, it's going to be a treat. I can't wait. I can't wait to, to see out. that. It's so exciting. <laughs> Knock wood. I hope it goes well. <laughs> yeah. So that's like hopefully like by the end of January? Hopefully by the end of January. Otherwise, we miss this submission deadline. So right. even okay. I, I think at least one of them will come out by the end of January. Amazing. If not the first three because it's what we're hoping to do is release them in blocks of three. We've got 12 episodes. Cool. So. Uh, and yeah. what kind of what kind of things are you submitting to? Every festival we can. Okay. Yeah, that's part of it is we're going to try and submit to literally every festival we can. Uh, those guys are really keen on that, and mm -hmm. I am too. Uh, and it's nice to have kind of a calling card to show this and be like, this is my work. Right. Uh, so me and Kyle both feel the same way about that. Like, yeah. It's not a great, uh, I wouldn't say it's a great uh, demonstration of my acting skills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I mostly look like an evil robot uh, right. uh, through most of it. But um, <laughs> but I still, I loved doing it. I loved rating it. I, I'm really proud of it. Yeah. Uh, and I hope other people like it and it's not just like shot down critically. Right. <laughs> like immediately because that would, that would hurt my feelings. <laughs> I, would, I would go back to the drawing board and try again though. I think. Uh, I'm past the point of quitting. Yeah. At this point in my life. I think yeah. that's a that's a it's a strange point to come to where you're yeah. just like you're like I can it's one or the other now. Like yeah. you're on the edge of the cliff and you're just kind of like am I going to cuz if I go I got to I got to go. Yeah. And there's no you can't go back up. Like you could back off now but like two steps forward and you're in. Yeah. And you're all in. 
Yeah, and I worry that there's a part of me that's like, well, does it just always feel like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and is this the trick that's played? But I do think when people ask me to consult on projects, uh, the first meeting will be kind of a general impressions thing, and then the second one is always deadline. Right. And and I everyone who's ever balked at the deadlines is always the person who fails to do the project. Mm. And that's what I found. That's why the second meeting for me is always deadlines and where do you want it to go and what's your end goal? Because right. people who can't define that, I think, are wasting my time and right. wasting their time too yeah. because yeah. like, you need to know. Um, I, I think that's what like Kyle and I, we just decided we were going to do one thing for a year. That's what mm-hmm. we were going to do. And yeah. then we would reevaluate in a year and see where we were at. Right. And I think that's a good way of doing it. I mean, like, Dying Hard and, and that was done because my producer was like, what do you want to do? Right. And I had to set a goal. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, and then we'll reevaluate after it goes into a couple of fringe festivals. Right. And uh, that's what we did, and, and so it kept going. Uh, but then the same thing with a bunch of other projects I've had. Uh, if you don't commit to seeing it all the way through to completion, at the beginning, you won't. You just won't. Right. If you don't give yourself a hard deadline or put money on the line <laughs> or, you know, like have a, a festival that you are required to show at, I think uh, the tendency is to always be like, well, no, I could make it better. It's not ready yet. It'll never ever, it's never going to be perfect is yeah. like the most, it's so like crushing too yeah. when you know that. Like you're like, I'm, it's never going to be what is in here. But it never is. It though. never is. It yeah. can't. Even now, like, there's always things I would change yeah. about everything I've ever done. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> um, but, uh, but having yeah. that other person setting those, like, setting those deadlines with you is like, like, for me, I will not work on something until I need to be desperately working on it to get it done. Absolutely. It's, yeah. Uh, and yeah. I need that. And I call it proxy guilt. Yeah. So if I'm with somebody, I, I have proxy guilt because I'm like, oh, I'm letting somebody down now. I can let myself down. I let myself down every day. Every absolutely. choice I make lets me down. <laughs> it's just I, I don't want to let someone else down. Yeah, for, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, having partners. I almost always work with partners because I like and different partners for different things, but I, I find it very uh, motivating. I did, this is embarrassing to admit, but it's true. I did a fake news show when I was at Smith College in the States when I was 18, mm-hmm. uh, 17, 18 with a girl named Sarah Bars, and we basically both did it. We kept doing it. We made nine episodes that were like 15 minutes each, and we both kept doing it because the other person was doing it too. <laughs> and they are like, I have them on VHS, and they are like cringeworthy, embarrassing. Oh, yeah. It's so, and we look so tired in a couple of them because <laughs> we basically, on Tuesday, we would gather newspapers, and we would clip articles we thought we could write jokes for, and then we would write jokes, and then on... Uh, uh, Sunday we would film one right. and then the rest of the week we would spend editing it and we would upload it so that it played on Fridays at like 4 o'clock mm-hmm. so it was like we'd clip articles on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday we'd be editing and then writing jokes and right. Friday we would reevaluate jokes and then Sunday we would con one of our friends <laughs> into into activating the like uh, uh, PowerPoint that we'd set up as oh, like yeah, a yeah. teleprompter <laughs> And they, so the jokes were always a week behind. Right. Uh, it was, <laughs> just like not. Yeah. Oh, it was it was so silly. And there was a couple of good sketches, I guess. In there, yeah. But like looking back at it now, I'm like, not none of this is funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> none of this is particularly good. I think I compensated for the fear of like not releasing something good because when I was in high school, every project. Yeah. Was a video. Every single one. Pretty great. Um, and they were like, I guess. 
at that point in time, like making a video for a high school student was like impressive enough because I used mm -hmm. to get a hundred on every single because they were like, well, project. I don't know how to evaluate this. Yeah, exactly. 100. It was what it was. Like one of them was about the white fleet, and the first hmm. sentence in the uh, in the video was on the island of Portugal, which immediately. <laughs> immediately is wrong you know what but still 100 <laughs> we still got 100 we still got 100 on that yeah there was a the, the captain of the ship was a toy lizard we had like a boat uh, that we were pushing around in a river and they were just too weird so we were like <laughs> it was like when I, I find this a lot in like with with improv and like acting when you when you do like a class with like kids yeah is that there's always people in the class who will just go up and, and just won't try yeah and it's so poisonous, but it's like, it's that whole thing. If it's like, if I try, then I can be made fun of. But if I go up and just screw mm -hmm. around, people will laugh. Yeah. But I, I didn't take a risk. The very thing. first thing I always do with kids when I was teaching, it was a long time ago. Now I haven't taught courses in a while. But, yeah. Uh, I used to always do alien tiger bear. Right. And I used to encourage everyone to be silly because I was like, the only way you're going to fail at this is if you don't try. Right. And I was like, look at how much fun everyone else is having. If you're not trying, then that's what's the bad thing. So yeah. you have to try. Yeah. So doing that was, I thought, the best way to kind of start a workshop just to get people into the idea of oh no I do have to the larger I make this yeah. the better it's going to be right for everyone because so. it is that one person with their arms crossed in the corner and then everybody else is looking and being like oh no like they're they is this one person out of 25 yeah. of us who are having a good time <laughs> judging us maybe we should all I always, the, it's way easier I, to go to the arms I do that oh yeah thing back right. and forth to them until they <laughs> like it's like oh yeah until they start screaming yeah. and having it. That's, yeah, that was my favorite way to get started because I was like, all right, now everyone's warmed up. Right. We're all in agreement. We're yeah. all going to look like idiots and no one will talk about what happens in this room yeah. outside <laughs> of this room later. But they do love it. Like there is, and there's so much of that, especially I, I guess in high school where everybody's just judging each other constantly. Yeah, trying just to be kids cool. Kids are so mean, trying to be cool. Yeah. It was so uncool. <laughs> And like now when you're like walking around and you see somebody who's like they're, they're like they haven't like showered in three days and they're wearing like just like comfy clothes and walking around like going to the grocery store and like buying cool stuff and you're like man that person's cool yeah like it's like totally opposite now it's like man they don't care at all yeah that's amazing not even oh I don't know I I like caring about stuff and it's always made me uncool and I'm just yeah. getting to a point now in my life where I think it's it's I've started to be like, you know what? Whatever. Yeah. People don't want to care. That's on them. Yeah. Because uh, I for sure had like a string of years in high school where I was like, no, yeah. <laughs> no one likes me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I found, uh, yeah, high school, high school was ridiculous, but it's like, it's now it's, now it's like the people who are, because when you're working in the arts, especially like if you're not caring about what you're doing, you're not going anywhere. Like yeah. nobody's going to. And this is like the, the thing that I've been trying to come to terms with forever is like, it doesn't matter what work I'm doing right here if I'm not putting it out yeah. for people to see, because nobody's going to be like, Hmm, I wonder if there's like a writer behind this pillar that <laughs> yeah. I can like, like maybe this guy over here, he looks like he's doing work. I've never seen anything he's done. Sitting at the back of the room going, why will no one hire me? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, no one's seen anything you've done. Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're pretty good, though. You've got lots of little videos. I loved um, Pizza Slobs when you guys were doing that. that oh, yeah. Still, one of my favorites. Sometimes, if I need a pick-me-up, I'll go look up that video and just <laughs> watch you getting pizza thrown at you in a Snuggie. Yeah, it was, great. it was a great day we had. 
There was a, and that's, that's actually my first feature script now is about pizza slobs. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So someday. Someday. I've been, I've gotten it torn to pieces. Mm Mm-hmm. Like it started out as like a web series and people were like, no. And then I pitched it as a TV show and they were like, no, super no. It wasn't a web series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely, Definitely not, not a TV show. That was show. a weird step. Yeah. And somebody was like, somebody was like, well, maybe it's a feature because it doesn't have the legs for a, t- for a TV series. And I was like, no, it's a series. And then yeah. wrote it as a feature. And I was like, okay, I guess it, it's I guess a it feature. Yeah. There's not, there's not enough recurring storylines, I think, yeah. that you could have. Like one of them would be the debate about whether or not anchovies are good on a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> And then the next one would be, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's there's the anchovies episode, and that's it. Super strong pilot, uh, though. Yeah. That anchovies episode would blow them away, for oh, sure. Oh, man. Really divisive. You yeah. Know, <laughs> thought pieces written yeah. on Vice, yeah, on Thought Catalog. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> oh, pretty good. Yeah, you're, you're, I think you're going to do great because you have a real tendency to get like small things made, which I was never good at. I, I'm not good at finding people to jump on board small projects with right. me. I have to make it a big thing, I think, before people get involved. And that's right. fine because now I know that that's like yeah. where my strength is. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you have this real great ability to just like shoot something in a day and like find a cameraman and like all these other people to get involved, which I have never been able to do. Like, right. I think I'm, and I don't I'm even really think, jealous of that. I don't even, I never found those people was yeah. the thing too. Is like I would like, I would find one person and then that person would find somebody else and then that person would bring. Oh. So like I would like, like uh, for Spaghetti Massacre, right? Which was the we did the forty-eight hour horror challenge, and I was living with Matt Wright. Yeah. So I was like, "Hey, I did these the past two years. They were garbage, but we won. Um, do you want to do it this year?" Yeah. And he was like, "Yes, for sure." And I was like, "Okay." And I started setting up my terrible little camera gear, and he was like, "I know a camera guy." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, okay. Will he do this dumb thing for like fourteen hours, hours straight yeah. for free?" And he was like, "Yeah." So he got him, and then. That guy came in, and then he was like, who's your sound guy? I was like, I don't have a sound guy. I don't know any sound guys. He's like, oh, I know a guy. And then he brought in a sound guy. I love the idea of being like, who's your sound guy? And then you just point to a microphone taped to the ceiling. Yeah, well, that was basically, my my microphone was actually taped to a broom handle. Um, So that was my my sound stuff. And he was like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm sorry. We're not doing that. Oh. That's that's really fortunate though. I think I think you've got a kind of personality that draws people to you for that kind of stuff, which is good. I oh, have... I always I always blame Newfoundland. I always thought it was just like Newfoundland. Oh, maybe it everybody's is. just like so nice yeah. here. Yeah, it could be. I I, I moved away at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> After I moved away, like Doyle started and all these other right. things, and I was like, ah, damn it. Yeah, there's <laughs> like... all this like ground floor stuff here, which I also missed Doyle. I was yeah. here, shouldn't have missed it, but I did. I didn't get. I I was background a few times. Yeah. Uh, and stuff like that, but there was a. Uh, there was no, but I, I find like like they're shooting Frontier now. Yeah. But Frontier was all cast in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So even though it's being shot here, we didn't get none of the actors here got to read. Yeah. Really. I, so. th- I think that happens a lot in yeah. in film, like I, for stuff everywhere. I'm gonna say because like Toronto is a big hub of casting. So is Vancouver, and mm-hmm. occasionally you get people cast out of Winnipeg. Oh, okay. There's lots of film grants and stuff there, and there's a really great film scene. It seems like a really hip town. Yeah, Winnipeg is is strange. I I love it, but yeah. it's also like I'm always there in the summer when it's so hot. It's right. always a heat wave when I'm there, and it's so du- dusty and like dirty in yeah. the summer. But it's got this very strange like vegan punk, uh, like hardcore downtown thing yeah. in the Exchange District that is like nowhere else in Canada. Yeah, 
and I don't know how to put my finger on it exactly, but it is, it is, I really like those people. Yeah. They are so nice and yeah. so kind and like welcoming, but they are like their own specific culture that I don't think Canada really recognizes at all. Like you get the Alberta culture a lot yeah. in, in like Heartland and a bunch of other stuff like that, but you don't get that kind of weird prairie culture, which yeah. exists in Winnipeg because Winnipeg is a strange it is. It's really because I was always I was raised being like Winnipeg is full of murderers. Like don't <laughs> go there, you'll get murdered probably. Oh. And I went and I was there and I was like I entered the town terrified. Yeah. Like, I was like I'm so scared. I've been told my whole life that this is a really dangerous place. And then I was like going around. And I was like, man, there's a lot of like really vegan nice. waffle shops here. Uh-huh. And the fruit and vegetables. Yeah. Oh my god, we can't even imagine it in Newfoundland. No, like, no. Oh my god, so everything green. is fossilized by the time it gets here. It's <laughs> the worst. I tried to buy an avocado the other day. Yeah, it was, it was just, terrible. It was just like black all the way through. Yeah, and, like, and it was like eight dollars. So it's like, <laughs> what? What? Like, why am I doing this? Yeah. And uh, but but uh, yeah, it's like everything has a record store attached to it and stuff yeah. like that. Like I knew three people from Winnipeg, and all of them owned record stores. There's a huge like punk and and industrial scene, which which teenage me is really drawn to, yeah. <laughs> like for sure. Uh, but uh, also, yeah, it is. It is. I was told when I was there, I was eating at that there's a little cafe that's like a vegan co-op and I was eating there because it's around where the fringe is which is why I'm often there right. but somebody on the couch was like because we were talking about how strange Winnipeg can feel sometimes yeah and somebody was like you know it was built by the Masons <laughs> and we were like what are you talking about and no apparently that whole downtown district under the exchange uh, and stuff it's a lot of it is Masonic temple stuff and ah. under Portage in Maine there's like that underground crossing and there's a big pillar and if you look at it, it's a Masonic thing. Oh, like, really? They, they are the ones who built that area. Oh, my God. I'm like, I did not know crazy. that. I didn't even know the Masons were, like, real. Yeah. You know? I kind of thought we, that was... We have a Masonic temple here. We have it's a just yeah. Like, yeah. It looks like a house. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, a great uncle is probably a Mason yeah. or something. But <laughs> nobody now. Yeah. Like, the Shriners. <laughs> I remember thinking it looked a lot like, like Russia when I was in when I was in Winnipeg like it was like all like sprawl there was like there's a yeah, one yeah it's very flat yeah like super flat and there was the, there's these two really wide streets that like go down and I think there's like a big political building at yeah, the that's, end of those yeah that's I think Portage and Maine yeah right? yeah like one goes one way and the other goes the other yeah, way yeah yeah and I was looking at that and I was like this looks like this looks like Russia yeah they have that big river just right there too yeah which is also like I'm thinking specifically of Petersburg St. Petersburg yes yeah yeah where they have like the the three canals that go up yeah yeah i don't know i i like it i have a love-hate relationship with winnipeg like many cities in canada yeah <laughs> but i do i really like it and the people there are really nice the fringe festival is always a nice time to be in any city I right think, too so you get to see a lot of the best but how many uh, how many fringe festivals are there in canada is it so many. Is it? So, is there a lot? Uh, yeah, there's a lot. I can't tell you exactly how many because I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the Canadian Association of Fringe Festivals actually also includes some festivals in the States. Oh, okay. And that touring circuit, uh, I think there's like 15 or 17 festivals or something, but that touring circuit is internationally renowned. You will meet people on that circuit who come from all over the world to do it, and they'll do Canada all summer long, and then they'll go tour europe and australia yeah. and stuff during the winter and that's like a regular thing that happens and there are huge acts that like we don't talk about in our media and stuff that come here all the time and sell out like 300 500 seat houses for multiple night runs wow. and i'm thinking of um the Rotten punked which is a uh a punk clown 
music act <laughs> that is from Australia, I mean, not really? Germany, wow. but they pretend to be German in the show, and they are fantastic and funny and sell out all across Canada. I think it's a uh, I think it's a shame that Newfoundland doesn't have a connection to the fringe circuit yeah. actually, but I understand why too. Like flights alone, it'd be impossible as a performer to come out yeah. and make your money back. Like, and any anybody doing anything with like sets or like large props or anything like that, or just yeah. like you have to build it here, yeah. or you're gonna you know. Yeah, I'm trying to. Well, we'll see now. I'm trying to do a touring development festival in St. John's or on the island in okay. Newfoundland, and I've gotten a lot of support from many theater companies who've agreed to cooperate and do this. But uh, it keeps getting put on the back burner because uh, first, because they wanted me to include like a, a running it fee for the thing, and okay. I hadn't factored that in originally. And right. then when I did, it was too much money, and I right. had to redo all my funding things. And then I was too poor for a while. I right. had to like <laughs> sort out my own finances before I could focus on, and my own work in Toronto before I could focus on uh, coming back to it. But I had a, gr- a great meeting with the programming director of the arts and culture center so oh cool fingers crossed yeah that might happen and if so i hope so because touring theater is a great way to make money uh, yeah it's yeah. difficult and it takes a bit of logistics but once you get started uh if you treat it kind of like starting up a business then after a year with one show you can start making uh, really decent money really yeah. yeah that's how i made my living for like probably three four years yeah yeah and so you're you're is it, is it just like the, the stability of one place that you're looking for with like sort of rooting down in Toronto now or? What happened to me was I had a conversation with, oh God, what's her name? Uh, she's the woman who does Jake's Gift and she's a, a gifted, fantastic, amazing performer. And she has a solo show that was very similar to mine in okay. that she plays an old man and a young kid. I can't remember, oh, I can't remember her name right now. It's driving me crazy. But anyway, she's an amazing performer. She sells out everywhere across the fringe. Her show is fantastic. She's been doing it for like 10 years. And we were having a conversation in, I want to say Edmonton, where she was looking at what she has of her career. And she's like, well, yeah, but nobody really hires me to do anything else. And, right. and now I'm facing a kind of a future where it's either I keep doing this show forever. And it's a very successful show. And right. she does make money with it. Yeah. She was like... Or, I, like, eventually the market for this show is going to drop off. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I can do anything else. Right. I, I, I don't know if the next thing I do will be received as well. And I don't know how I would handle that reception if it wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, we were just talking about, like, having a solo show and what yeah, it's like yeah. touring. And I realized, like, right, I've been doing Dying Hard for five years and it is something I, I know is always there like it, it twigs really well with people it's, yeah. it's very popular it, it sells out almost always when I go places but it'll never not be there if I want to do it again in 10 years I'm not going to grow out of the role right it, it's not like a, a show designed for a teenager it's a flexible ages like mm-hmm. I play old men and, yes, and yeah, you yeah. Know, middle-aged women so I'm, I'm not gonna it's not gonna disappear from me right and my director is also, she wants me to start doing it again. And I was like, I need a break just for a little <laughs> bit. But um, I, so I decided to take a hiatus from that show just to see if I could figure out what other things I wanted to do uh, before it got too late for me to do them. Right. And I'm not saying it's too late for the lady doing Jake's Gift. I just, right. yeah. I could see that like same uneasiness in myself. And I yeah. was like, oh, you're right. Because I believe for me, 
if I'm not both excited and terrified about moving on with the next step of the thing that I'm doing, then I shouldn't be doing it. Like that's my right. indicators uh, for whether or not I should do something. Yeah. Right. And I was, I'm always excited to do Dying Hard and I'm always slightly terrified, but the terror diminishes the more you do it. And, right. And uh, now it feels like a very stable thing for me. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to jump into something that was a little bit more scary. Right. And, you know, earn no money for a year. Yeah. <laughs> and, and like, <laughs> Uh, try something that would fail miserably and, yeah. then, and then try again with something else. So, you know. And, and I always think because uh, people who work in, in, uh, in, I think even theater especially, like there are much easier ways to make money. Mm-hmm. Like most of the people who, like you have to be money-minded when you're in it because you need to survive. Yeah. Um, but really, like if, if you were doing it just for money, Oh, become a secretary or like yeah, a, literally any other job. Yeah, <laughs> like, any, anything where you yeah. can sit down somewhere and be like, as as long as I'm here, yeah. I get paid. I just have to be in this place, mm-hmm. which is, uh, and and I always think that about film too. And I, you know, you see some people, more so on film sets. I think I'm not I'm not sure why, and and maybe it's just because I don't I haven't seen as much theater. But like sometimes you just see people on film sets and they are miserable. Yeah. In the job that they're doing. And I'm like... Get any other job. It's like if you're working in... If you're working in like props or set deck, like you could work in construction. Like you just you just could. And yeah. it would be, you know, you'd get paid way more. Yeah. Uh, so. There, there are so many industries that need people that pay very well. Yeah. <laughs> where you could go to Kona or like a college trade school and just learn something for two years and then like uh, medical lab techs and stuff like that. Like... I, I do think, yeah, you have to be happy at what you're doing if you're working in the arts um, because it is also self-expression. So if you're mm-hmm. not happy, people are going to know. And yeah. They're probably not going to like what you're doing. Because yeah. <laughs> they'll like, be like, ooh, this is sad. And, this, this looks like the person who made it was miserable about doing <laughs> yeah. it. They really didn't want to do it. <laughs> I'm sorry for coming to see this and perpetuating your agony. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keeping you alive in this thing that you're just <laughs> so angry about. <laughs> so upset. <laughs> Just get another job. There are so many other jobs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it's a great job uh, if you like it, and if you hate it, just do anything. Literally anything, anything else. else. Yeah. yeah. Don't no get logs. into it if you want money or fame. I think. Uh, yeah, fame is a weird thing to think about too. If I, I think it's like a social disease. I think it's wishing uh, a real problematic. Yeah. You want everyone to spy on you constantly. Right. That's what it's wishing for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gee, I sure do wish everyone knew all the intimate details of my life yeah. so that I could work more often. Yeah. It's like, it's, it, there are other ways to work more often. Yeah, yeah, there's much, much less scary ways. Yeah. Like, I think my, my overall goal is, like, just general. I don't want to be, I want to be terrified at the, the work that I'm trying, not the bills that I'm facing. Yes. Like, I want to be, I want to get to the end of the month and I want to be like, mm-hmm. for sure I can pay rent this month. Like, yeah. 100%. I've known since the second of this <laughs> month that I could pay. I haven't been sweating and stressing up to this point. I, I will say this. Uh, practical advice. Uh, don't live off credit cards. I know no. I know lots of artists who do that and right. then they start paying them down and I'm like, you guys are really, you're paying so much extra money. Yeah. Just work a crap job 
one that you hate or one that you like, work it a day job until you've saved up enough money to really give it a go mm-hmm. and, and make that your focus. Because if you're, if you're doing it thinking like, oh, I'm just going to live off credit cards and then I'll pay it off later so I can do what I want with my life. That's what credit cards are for. That's not what credit cards are for. <laughs> and if you think you can do this job at all without being capable of saving money, like, because I get paid in chunks and yeah. then I won't have any money for months. Mm-hmm. And I have to know in my brain, like, this money is budgeted yes, yeah. for me to live yeah. and not, like, bounce my rent check <laughs> yeah. for the next three months. And if I get extra money, then that money goes into six and seven months right, just in yeah. case like it's it's all saved because without that i think you you really set yourself up for failure because it always takes longer than you think it will and you always get paid less than you think you're going to yeah, be yeah yeah so spending money you don't have is is a real dangerous thing to get into if you're an artist oh yeah i, I always hit months so i'm like that's one month yeah i just got paid one month of my life so my what extended my life one month Yes. And then sometimes I hit the two-month mark on one check, and I'm like, oh, my God. Great. Like, I have two months. This mm-hmm. is great. I have yeah. two months to find another thing, and I get – I'm still the worst for it because I still, like, I've got two months. <laughs> I'm going to watch some TV and just, yeah. like, sit down and just, yeah. like, loaf instead of, like, actually working to, like, extend that out a little bit farther. Cause it's yeah. like You think about it. Like, what would you, what, what, like, what could you do with a year? Yeah. Like, I what always, could you do with a year of no stress? Like, I always try and – oh, my God, that would be amazing. <laughs> I always try and line up work three months in advance. However, I will say this. Sometimes I get nervous about not having a job. And then I will book myself into work. um, And then I will discover that I also have other work that just comes to me. And then I am like double booked for months. Yeah, yeah. Which happened to me from June to December of this year. I was like quadruple booked. Oh, really? (laughs) And I was just like, I have no time for anything. I can't breathe. I'm barely eating. Right. But uh, uh, you get used to, I think, managing that better as it comes like you you start to see i just did better over the summer than i thought i was going to oh yeah i thought it was going to take me a year to crack the union and it took me like six months and i was like all right okay so um (laughs) whoa okay all right (laughs) like uh so yeah that's like a fortunate amount of work and then i was able to kind of defer some obligations to people and find other people to cover other things right so so I owe a lot of favors yeah. <laughs> coming into this new year. So while I don't have work, I know I've got to pick up for some other people right. and, and get those jobs done. So so that's a nice feeling too, just knowing like, okay, well, at least I have that work. I was able to defer it to now when there's less uh, other things yeah, going on. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I find, I find a lot of it is availability too. Like the mm-hmm. thing that I found with, uh, I was working a day job up until, I guess, June. I, I quit. And just started working full time yeah. as like an artist, and then I I found that the biggest thing was I was poorer. Uh, like I, I got a bunch of good jobs in a row, mm-hmm. and I was like, for sure I can make this work, and then quit, <laughs> and then the work just dried up. Yeah, I was like, well, That's okay, great. And that was when the stretching was where I was there, and I was looking at cans of black beans. I was like, this is a dollar, and it has sixteen grams of protein in it. I can live off of that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so just like buying black beans and like surviving you off of that. You should buy them dry and then just soak I up. Should. It's way yeah. cheaper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. When I was in I, when I was in Sackville, which was the first time that I like worked as an artist um, alone, uh, I was, I think I survived exclusively on like President's Choice brand craft dinner oh, mixed yeah. with black beans. Oh yeah. And that was like good. that. Cans that, of tuna in that with a little bit of dill. Right. Oh, really yeah. good. Oh dill. Wow. Yeah. Mm, you. Fancy. <laughs> But I, I find that like it's that availability. Like when the the work did dry up, and then 
it was just dropping in like on the same day like someone would be like can you come in and do this in like an hour and mm -hmm. be like yes of course and go do that and that's yeah. how i keep going which like if i knew at the end of every month or at the beginning of every month what little tiny things were going to pop up throughout that month yeah i wouldn't be worried yeah but at the beginning of the month you're like oh, i've got I have nothing. nothing i have nothing <laughs> i'm dead i'm dead this is the month i die for sure yeah. Yeah, it does, it does get slightly easier. Um, there's also, like, I find the busier you get, the more people want to work with you, which is hard because you're like, I would love to work with you right now, but right. I'm literally strung up by my ears. Yeah. Um, scheduling in time for your own work is important mm -hmm. when you start to get busier. Like, I, I actively now schedule blocks of time where I'm like, this is where I will get errands done. Right. This is where I will, like, do my own writing because otherwise my own projects kind of get put on the back burner and never right. get taken off. And then uh, the other thing is being willing to negotiate times with people. If people call you on the day of and say, can you do this a week from now or like today? And you're like, I'm not available except for these days next week. Right. Is there any chance you could swap your schedule so I can do it? Because I yeah. would love to do it. Uh, sometimes people will. Sometimes oh, we'll yeah. be, yeah, yeah. And, and I think the more you work, the more those people will keep you in mind for like other projects down the road mm -hmm. where if you tell them like, I can't do it right now, but you need to give me two weeks notice. Right. And then I can do it. Probably mm -hmm. I can shift some things around and do it. They will keep that in mind. And the next time they have a project, they'll give you two weeks notice. Right. So you can kind of move your own schedule to be like, okay, well I guess I'll give up errands this week. Right. And, yeah, yeah. and I'll move that to here and I'll move this over here. And, and that uh, ends up creating more work. But it is, it is like, yeah, it's a gradual accumulation. It's like a snowball. Yeah. And then sometimes you're just like, oh, everything stopped suddenly. Yeah. I guess I get to watch Netflix for a day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's that's what I end up doing is I sit down. I'm like, I'm just going to have like a mental health day or something like that. Absolutely. And I'll sit down. And I, I do find that like, because I find with, uh, with writing especially, uh, if you just grind away at it constantly, you just run out. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, you, you got to fill up the tank with something Absolutely, right yeah. you gotta go out and do stuff and i can't remember who said it but someone said art can't be created in a void or in a vacuum i think yeah. was what it was and, I, and that's like that really stuck with me where it's like you gotta go just do some stuff mm -hmm. like if i go and i go for a hike or if i just go out and spend some time with people i haven't seen in a long time i don't go home and then write a screenplay about hiking necessarily like it's like i just for some reason that just tends to like just taking those days it lets your brain stop stressing for a minute too and and like chemically it makes it easier i think to yeah. think of ideas because your brain's not like how do i live yeah. where is the money <laughs> oh no everything's terrible yeah <laughs> yeah yeah all you have to think about is like well this is nice right now and i don't have to worry about what's going to happen in two hours from now <laughs> hey birds are weird creatures yeah <laughs> i'm gonna write a bunch of tweets about seagulls yeah <laughs> I still love those seagull tweets. Seagull tweets? Seagull tweets. Oh. Yeah. That was you, right? Was it? Yeah. Oh. You wrote a bunch of tweets oh, about yes. seagulls. Oh, yes. Yes. In the, in the, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I should pick that back Do up, I remember I that thing you did that I thought was really funny? No. <laughs> no. Not at all. <laughs> like, oh, well. That is, that's also a big problem with, like, not having one project to work on is I'm just like, I'm going to do this, and now I'm going to do this over here, I'm going to mm. do this, and, like, little things just sort of inch forward and nothing ever yeah. gets done. Yeah, choosing one pro and I have okay to that effect. I have two notepad files on my computer desktop. Okay. Uh, one's called in all caps. Do not work on this. Right. And the other <laughs> one is called in all caps. Work on this. And every year I kind of fill it up with like projects that are dream projects. And, right. And I pick four or five that I'm like these are the five I'm going to get done this year. Right. And for example, 
uh, this year in November, I kind of went through and was like, oh, I should clean these out and figure out which ones I've done. And on my work on this, uh, I had six or seven projects and I got two of them done. Okay. <laughs> but in my do not work on this file, I got five of them done. <laughs> so I feel like even just setting that kind of up and, right. and trying to remind yourself that, you know, even if it's uh, stuff you feel like, oh, I was wasting my time and doing all the stuff I shouldn't have been working right. on. Right. You still do get a lot accomplished. Yes, yeah. And and part of that was like the web series I shot and a couple other things. Right. And like, Stuff like that that I was for sure adamant like it wasn't important to do this year, and now I'm so happy that. So I that did was it. one of the things that was on the do not. I I feel like that ended up being on the work on this list. Okay. But there was a bunch of other stuff on the do not work on this list that I also did. did? So yeah, yeah. yeah I like, feel, how do you make that distinction of like what you should and shouldn't? Is it just like you're just trying to focus on like the most? It's not that you're never going to work uh, on these things. It's like yeah, it's things like, graduate from the do not to, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, to the work yeah, on list. Yeah, yeah, I put on the do not work on this list everything that's rolling around in my brain. Cause, right. Because I feel like you're the same way. You have a million different projects that yeah. you want to get done all at once, but you can't work on all of them at once right. because you will just not get any of them done. Mm-hmm. So I put everything on the do not work on this list. There's stuff like, you know, like do an action movie. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't, there's no act. The only way I could actively work on it is like go to the gym more. And like, I don't know, try and make friends with Vin Diesel, which Vin Diesel, if you're out there, (laughs) totally cool. You're listening to this podcast. Please come do this podcast. I think you're rad. (laughs) Um, But, uh. Yeah, so I put everything on the do not work on this list, and then uh, every year or every three to six months, whenever I think about it, I kind of pick things that actively I should be working on that I want to work on. Right. That are achievable within the immediate future. Right. So, um, yeah, so that stuff is, is just like, if I am desperate and sitting down and I can't figure out what to work on, I open the work on this file. And I say, okay, what is the next step for number one? Can I get that done? Right. No, I'm still waiting on something. Okay, what's the next step for number two? Can I get that done? Yes. Okay, I'll do that right now. Uh, okay. And that way it helps me prioritize what it is I'm doing. Because uh, otherwise sometimes you just sit down and you look at this list of like 40 and 50 things. Oh, yeah. That you're... It makes me throw up. Like I, I, I look at the list of things that I want to do and I'm like, I don't want to. I don't yeah. Want to do and I, I use like a project management software thing that helps uh, for me. It's called Asana. Asana? Yeah. And it's it's quite a good, I really like it. Cool. It's been very good for me. Uh, and I use like Inbox in my Gmail and Habit RPG, which I still yes. have added you to. Yes, you it's, have to. I want to fight on my bosses Asana. with you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, what I do is I like, I do my Inbox first. And I add any immediate to-do lists to my project list, and then I do those so that I have like a sense of accomplishment while I'm drinking coffee in the morning. That's like my first two hours of my day. Right. Is clearing my email inbox and then piloting my to-do list, right. and then I just kind of like move stuff around and say, "All right, well, what do I have the energy for to get accomplished right this instant? Is it answering all these emails? Is it you know doing a bunch of writing? Is it making a phone call? Or do I need to do like?" laundry or whatever else right. for my week and then uh that's how i try and do it it doesn't always work sometimes i'm still overwhelmed but most of the time it, it really helps to just be able to put those systems in place and have a routine that pushes you through it right because otherwise it really is you're your own boss and it's not like you're delegating other things it's like you're delegating other things for you to also be doing yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so being able to have a system to prioritize it i found has helped me because when i first started doing this i was 
like miserable at saying, I'm still oh. pretty miserable at organization. Yeah. But uh, uh, having this has really helped me get so much more done in yeah. the run of a day, yeah, than I could could ever do otherwise. Right. Uh, yeah. And then also it has an ability to check like things you've done. So right. I can like look at the list and be like, yeah, I got 17 things done. Yeah. Taking a break. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm allowed. Yeah. Whatever. I'm going to play some video games for yeah. a bit. Yeah. Well, I, I got one of the, I got a passion planner. I don't know if you yes. heard of those. Yeah. 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 You were the, showing me. Yes. Yeah. So that, that one of the big things is like, it just has a section in it that just says good things that happened this week. Yeah. And I'm like a completionist, so I see all the things on the page and I want to fill them all out. So I see the good, I'm like, what good, nothing good. And I'm like, oh no, this, and then also this. And then it's like, oh, three good things happened this week. And I was yeah. like, well, I'm not, I'm not totally failing. And it's yeah. like, just nice to have something, like you do have to remind yourself of those things. Absolutely. I guess, because I forget. I only remember the terrible stuff. Yeah. I'm like, I bombed four sets this month. Yeah. Like, I just just bombed yeah. super bad, and that's all I'll remember by the end of the... Meanwhile, like, I got all my laundry done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Check. Check. I was wearing clean clothes to those yes. bombs. Including all my sheets, towels, <laughs> yeah. everything got done. It was great, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It is... It can be hard, but I think if you just, like... And I, I won't say if you just, like, keep at it, but... You're, if you give yourself permission to screw it up and right. and not get anything done and just know like okay but that was yesterday and today I get to screw it up again if yeah. I really want to yeah. and the only person who's accountable for it is me really <laughs> uh, and eventually you will get fed up with yourself have a stern talking to yourself and, right. and sit down and do your to-do list oh yeah I feel like I hit a new all time low like all the time you hit that low and you're just sitting there like just crouched over like a cup of coffee like what have i done no, why? what are you doing uh, go back I... to work you're yeah. useless go back to school like but it's uh yeah i don't i don't, I don't know about uh <laughs> i think the biggest thing i have to get out of is i i'm great with routine so like i i can set a schedule and i can stick to it and i can do that throughout the week but if anything changes my schedule you're I write off the rest of the day. <laughs> so like if I if I'm supposed to be working by ten and I um, start at eleven, yeah. I'm like, well, that day is in the trash can and yeah. then I just do nothing. Yeah, I think being able to reorganize the blocks of time that you've set I up. I think is I need important. to start doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think also recognizing like how much time things take. I almost always give myself extra fifteen minutes on either end. Because right. I'm like, I'm not gonna get to it right away. I'm gonna right. make myself a cup of tea, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna mess around on Facebook, then realize I'm messing around on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm gonna sit down and do it and already <laughs> fifteen minutes have gone, right? Yeah. So I, I think that recognizing that as well helps. Like I can't write or there are certain things I can't do unless I have like a two hour clear block mm -hmm. of time. Like yeah. editing, I find I oh, can't yeah. just sit down and do like a little edit every There's no, there's minutes. no five minute or 10 minutes of editing. No, yeah. you have to sit down, load everything up, look through where you are. And yeah. then by that time, 10 minutes are gone. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I do find like acknowledging that like, no, okay, I need this amount of time for this. So if you start at 11, you were supposed to start at 10 and you're like, now I've got 45 minutes get your emails done, get your, get those other little tiny tasks out of the way, do your laundry, do, I mean, you wouldn't do your laundry in 45 minutes, but like do the dishes or sweep or something. Yeah. And that, uh, for me is the way in which I look at it. So I take that then from another place and then suddenly I'll have a two hour chunk later right. cause right. where I have like extra time built in and stuff. I think that that helps to think of it as like blocks that you're kind of moving around and rearranging 
changing as your week goes on, but it is. It can be really hard if somebody yeah. calls you and they're like, you want to go for coffee? And you're like, yeah, I got like an hour. And then yeah. you go, and it takes like an hour and a half. Yeah. And then you're like, no. I've used up my hour and oh, a half. I, no, I don't have time for anything. I should just go back to bed and wait for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, thinking like that, yeah, you really, that's hard because it does feel like that sometimes. But I also give myself leeway because I think about people in offices and they work like 9 to 5 or right. 9 to 6 but they have an hour break for lunch. And yeah. I'll normally like work through lunch. Yeah, I and, eat and work. Yeah. yeah, and they also spend like 20 minutes in meetings where they're not doing anything, and yeah. like 20 minutes where they're talking to their coworkers. So yeah. I'm like, all right, realistically, how much work are those people doing? Right. And how can I compare my work day to theirs? Uh, right. Which I think helps artists, especially if you work from home or you work alone. Yeah. Because you... Uh, then have a better metric. You're not like, oh my god, I didn't spend eight straight hours writing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who am I? I? I should quit. You yeah, know? and it's like, well, I spent six hours, but that's like that's my hour lunch, and then the three twenty minute breaks that you take when you're pooping, yeah. pretending to poop, and just you're on your phone. And then I went for coffee with a friend where we were talking about another project. So it's yeah. basically a meeting. Pretty much work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that that helps me put my life into perspective, which is I think something that we need to do. Uh, in order to feel good about ourselves mm -hmm. as artists. Yes. Yeah. We're being told that we're lazy and disorganized <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So do you uh, do you have like a like a if are you looking at like a path towards um like acting specifically or like directing specifically or are you just kind of like good feeling whatever? Question. I love acting. It's what I'm best at. Mhm. Mm for sure, I'm not a director at all. Okay. Um, I write occasionally, but I mostly write to serve myself as an actor. Right. Uh, I'm discovering that I'm probably a better writer than I think I am. Yeah. Uh, because people keep hiring me to do it. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I guess I must be okay at this. <laughs> but uh, I still, it's not my first passion. My first passion is acting. If somebody was like, hey, I want to pay you to be in a TV show forever, I would 100% do that. Yeah. And I would still do my own projects on the right. side. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I like writing comedy and, and doing sketch and stuff like that. But I, I just, uh, I don't really have an ultimate goal right now. Um, that's when I go back to Toronto. I actually have set up a meeting with my agent to talk about, you know, what my goals are for this year. Because right. I achieved all the ones I had last year. That's great. This is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to talk about setting goals for this year. And I got to talk to my boyfriend about, like, uh, what we both see our lives heading towards uh, because it's important to me that he's involved in that yeah, conversation. Yeah. Uh, and I would hope it's important to him that I'm involved in his conversation mm -hmm. as well. But it, it's something like I have to plan, I think. And once I have a goal in mind, then that's it. Nothing will stop me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very ambitious. Uh, and uh, I don't know what it is exactly yet. That's a question that I am working on because mm. I've already gotten to a point where I've achieved success touring. I know I can make a living doing theater if I really want to. Right. Uh, I know I can make a living doing film and TV if I really, really, really try. Yeah. It's going to take another couple of years for me to get kind of set up, but right. I can see where that is. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not afraid. Uh, I've gotten good feedback from casting directors and stuff in Toronto. People seem excited to work with me, so... Um, so that's good news for me, and, and I just want to know, like, what is my ultimate goal? And then once I figure that out, I'm going to get there uh, step by step. It might take 10 years. It might take 30. Right. Knows, but Would you consider, like, going to the States or, like, maybe just for visits or? I don't know. I, like, I know lots of people who go back and forth and who do work down there and who come back and do work in Canada. I, I don't think 
traveling is uh, something you can avoid when you're in this business, whether or not it's because you're shooting stuff in a different country. There's lots of cross-Canada and European productions. Mm -hmm. You look at X Company is filmed in Hungary, partly, uh, because there's film credits over there. Right. And people going from the States to Canada to film, like so many shows are filmed in Vancouver. Uh, We're in, like, The Revenant was filmed in Alberta. I mean, half of Canada worked on that, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) But it's like... I don't. I think of the industry more as a global industry than uh, a single place. So if that's where the work is, sure. But I will always be a Canadian citizen and live in Canada right. and, and think of myself as a Canadian artist in the same way that I, living in Toronto, see myself as a Newfoundland artist right. and, and feel an obligation to support the arts in Newfoundland and to promote the arts in Newfoundland and to promote what we do because it not only, I think, is beneficial to the arts here, but it's beneficial to me as an artist to say, this is where I'm from, this is the culture that I'm from, this is the arts community that I'm from, and they deserve to be taken seriously because yeah. I deserve to be taken seriously. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd go to the States. If there was work there and they wanted me to work there, I probably would. Yeah. Uh, would I stay there forever? I don't know. That's a question for future Michaela. Yeah. <laughs> future Michaela's better equipped to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's, who's been there. But for now, I just like taking it kind of a step at a time and knowing what my immediate goals are in the same way that the do not work on this and work on this list right. are, right? Like uh, questions I don't need to worry about yet <laughs> versus yeah. questions I do, <laughs> yeah. which is right now like, God, I hope I haven't like, I hope I'm in okay with the casting directors in Toronto and maybe I'll get on a TV show right, yeah. <laughs> for a bit part. That would be great. <laughs> uh, yeah. So are you, are you like seriously like thinking about action movies? Like, is that something that you oh, really want to do? Oh, are you kidding me? Uh, I, like, yeah, absolutely. I would love to be an action movie uh, person or a horror movie person. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I, I think for me, I love those movies and I love running around and firing fake guns and being dirty and gross and you know like punching puppets and stuff like that (laughs) to me those are the funnest kinds of film stuff to be involved and i I like to be in weird situations uh to like on set and stuff I, i think that the stranger the thing that you get to do on set the funner it is yeah yeah i i i love doing drama and comedy as well um but like if you ask me like what would you like to be a part of the most it is 100% like a really gross over the top action horror movie yeah for sure <laughs> like Ash versus Evil Dead I would love to oh, be in that TV perfect. show yeah. Yeah. yeah oh man that show is so funny yeah <laughs> so stupid so gross that's where my heart is I just want to be covered in gross things I just love I love the the like attitude that people who like make action movies have yeah where they're just like what do you like what do you mean what's the style like we're we're making an action movie we're gonna blow some things up yeah like don't ask me about tone yeah we're gonna blow we're blowing things up is what we're doing there's yeah. no color palette it's red and whatever color explosions are like that's yeah. black ring that's, is yeah. Moving. <laughs> yeah. yeah i will also i mean like you look at people who've had successful careers too like for women a lot of them come from horror and action movies mm-hmm. like you go from that you kind of graduate from that into doing drama and stuff but also it's hard to be honest and emotional about something when you are like looking at nothing and, yeah and you know covered in goop and there's like a puppeteer who you're leaning against yeah and, like, <laughs> 
all of that stuff I think is is uh, much harder to do than we give it credit for right. in in the award system. Yeah. Uh, uh, which I don't know. I, I just I think it would be really fun. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe I'll do one and then I'll be like never, never again. again. No. <laughs> I didn't like the goop. <laughs> I didn't like the goop. I had to work out forever and my yeah. legs are tired from running in heels. So like... <laughs> I feel like I, there's something in my brain too that's like if I got hired as like an action movie guy and they were like, all right, we're gonna get you ripped now. That I'd be like, that's what I need to get ripped. Like that's what I need to go to the gym and actually like do something. Do it's something. like someone like. But like I don't, I still think I would be the same guy at the gym. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't be. I will. Like you I still have... go there and I like lackluster move some things and like get self-conscious <laughs> well... and go home. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's that's like my whole day. Yeah. I I mean I used to do gymnastics. I did gymnastics for like eight years and and I did cheerleading as well. Ironically, strangely, they oh had I didn't me. know that. Yeah, I was a cheerleader for three years in junior high school and then. Uh, in high school, they were like, not cool enough. <laughs> no longer admitted. <laughs> this door is shut to you. But I always I always like that. I like uh, uh, sports that are solo sports. I'm not great at team sports. Right. Um, just because I'm very uncoordinated and okay. people do not like having me around. So like in a solo sport, if I mess up and trip and fall all over myself, it's just on me. Right. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not great at going to the gym and staying in shape, but I don't actually mind it. I, I thought I really hated it, and then I realized after I'd gone back, like, a bunch of times, I'm like, no, I kind of like it. Like, right. I would prefer to, like, hike with my friends, but, you know, yeah. there's not a lot of that in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How far outside of Toronto do you have to go for stuff like that? I mean, you could do, actually, to be honest, there's the Don Valley Parkway, Don Valley Parkway, there's the Don Valley Ravine, like, oh, okay. that's there, and that's actually quite a nice hike, hiking trail, so it's inside the city. Okay. Yeah, uh, and then I often go biking, I often go biking, I'm lying, I haven't been biking, <laughs> but I, I, I do enjoy biking down the harbor front. Okay. There's a really lovely bike trail Oh, I think there. I've seen pictures of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've been there like once or twice, so yeah. often as a stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But I'm hoping to. I finally, my old bike, it was rusted and crappy, and so I finally got a new bike this year, and I'm hoping this summer to take it out and actually go yeah, enjoy that trail some more. Cool. Yeah. Um, the so, tour, I left it outside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, it'll be fine. Is it buried and stolen? or No, like it, was, or? it was locked to uh, uh, the place I used to live at in Kensington Market. And it, like it's a crappy bike to begin with. Yeah. I bought it for forty dollars. That's an I amazing like security system though for a bike, isn't it? Just yeah. like have a garbage bike. I have a garbage bike. That's why I'm <laughs> nervous actually. That's why I didn't take my new bike out this summer because right. I was nervous about like putting it anywhere because yeah. it looks so new and right. I have to just like take a hammer to it and dig yeah, it just up. Dig it just, up and just make it yeah. look bad. Paint it all different colors on different parts so it looks yeah. like you like made a Frankenstein yeah, bike. That's or... what my old bike looked like. Oh yeah. yeah. But uh yeah, so I it's now rusted. It's on my balcony, and I need to take it apart and give it to somebody who can do something with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, like, if you had, and it, this doesn't have to be like a dream. Like, if you had a dream movie that you would love to see made that you think is impossible, or I guess like as as an actor that you would love to be cast in, like oh. your dream role that you don't think you'll ever get. Okay, hold on. Let me think about it. Yep. Okay. Here's the dream role that I would love to have that I do not think I would ever be cast in. And it would be something like uh, a mixture 
of the movie Alien and okay. the movie Independence Day. <laughs> but but I would be both Ripley and uh, Will Smith's character. Oh, yeah. Like, I would be both, like, wittily a badass yeah. and also, like, just, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Desperately trying to survive. That so you don't be... want, you don't want, like, Aliens, uh, which I is, think, like, well, the action you... movie of... You can't you can't remake Alien Aliens like right, that, yeah. that's been done. It's, yeah, yeah. You know what's the Predator movie that came out? Alien versus Predator? No, no, no. The other one. I. Uh, There's another one with Topher Grace. Oh, the, is that the one where they all get dropped on a planet? Yeah. 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 That yeah. one was not great. No, like, that's well, what I'm trying to recapture it. You can't. Yeah. It's done. No, that's <laughs> yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you want like the just like a single something like the the. Like alien atmosphere, yeah. But Will Smith, re- like, yeah, at, in Alien, yeah, yeah. Where okay. he's like super witty and charming the entire time, but also time. like badass. But also like getting to be a Sigourney badass Weaver, dude, yeah. Sigourney <laughs> yeah. Weaver, yeah. yeah. Just oh man, that would be wicked. I don't think it'll ever happen. <laughs> oh man, if you ever get cast in something like that, you have to say welcome to Earth. That <laughs> is he the doesn't best say part. that. He says welcome to Earth. <laughs> he says it's Earth. He says Earth. It sounds like Earth. <laughs> It's great. It's um, my favorite line. I'm very so sad he's not going to be in the in the remake. I'm or sad the too. Sequel. I also I think Will Smith. He's paid his time. In, he has. Yeah. He's, he's allowed to do whatever he wants at this point. He's yeah. quite a famous actor. But uh, yeah, I would 100. That's what I would love to be in. Like high tension. I just want to wear like a white, like a, a tank top. Yeah. And and be grimy. Yeah. And have like a giant gun and be like, all right, okay. Time to get slimed on. Time to get yeah. slimed on. That's my dream. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Everyone, well, everyone who's considered working with me is like, well, obviously she's not a serious actor. <laughs> well. I don't think that should that should discount people at all, like yeah. wanting to work on like action movies and horror movies. Like they're, yeah. it just seems like so much fun. It does, doesn't it? Like, I just want I want to watch stuff blow up. I watch stuff blow up on TV all the yeah. time, and I, yeah. I would like to be there when the thing gets. Yeah, I think the other one I would love to be a part of uh, would be like a party movie, like a Dazed and Confused style. Oh, yeah. That would be really fun, too. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there's something like, like like a grimy party movie, like Train Spotting. Oh, God, I love Train Spotting. Like, those are, that's that's a real, that's one of those movies where the whole thing is just grime. Yeah. Like, it's just the whole, it's all gross and. Somebody wrote an article once about Seven being uh, that movie being like the 90s introduction to grime because seven was one of the first movies where all of the sets and everything was grimy every, oh, okay. every part of it and then after that movie came out it was like everything was clean so even <laughs> even in like a gross murder movie it would be like there's a spatter of blood in the wall but otherwise it's a perfectly clean place right and then seven came out and after seven came out everyone's clothes were wrinkled there was dirt on everyone all the time yeah. everything was grimy so they just dirty. introduced the grime and, yeah it just became suddenly popular right like it just twigged and everyone was into it like it a fashion. Looks, it looks so great. Yeah. Yeah. I, everything was green in the nineties. Like people ah, talk the about green stuff. And then there were blue movies came out in the two thousands. Now too. it's orange and blue. Everyone's yeah. talking about cyan and orange color correction. Yeah. It's like no, bring back the neon lights. Bring back the green. <laughs> I can't remember who was like battle. Was it Battle L A. The bluest movie ever made. Oh, maybe. I can't remember. It was like it was bad, but it was. I think uh, that was on TV the other day. Was it Battle? Battle, Battle, Los Angeles. LA. Battle of Los Angeles. Oh, there was Battle of Los Angeles, and then there was another one that was like Invasion LA or something, and they came out within like a year of each other. How did they make two of those? About movies? the same thing. <laughs> they were, as far as I, like, I can't remember. Like, I, I remember yeah. a scene from one and then a scene from another, and they fit. One of them has the lady from Fast and the Furious in it. 
that much because it was on tv the other day and i caught oh, okay. part of it and i right. watched like 20 seconds and then i was like mm, no was it super blue because all the aliens had like blue eyes that scanned everybody and turned them blue and i i was so blue i, I was like i wasn't paying attention yeah no. <laughs> like living through the channels to see even bad movies like when i'm watching them i'm like amazing like yeah. this is great i'm like so they're, they're like look at these aliens and i'm like okay yeah i'm, I'm the worst critic for movies i i always like to find something i watch so many bad movies and i love finding like the one nugget of joy right yeah <laughs> and just being like but that scene yeah. right like, remember that and they're like no it was buried oh we uh i don't know we've been talking forever but right. my friends and i we used to do this thing called uh bad movie night oh that's a great go up to alan's video that rented seven movies for 777 yeah and you had to judge it on box art and tagline and you couldn't know it was a bad movie so like steven seagal movies were out Okay. We could not rent one because we knew it would be bad. Um, but so we rented so many deliciously bad movies that no one has ever heard of before. There's a great one that Michael Ironside is in that's called uh, Vampire Wars Battle for the Universe. <laughs> I got to be honest, it's filmed in Vancouver. It's basically Firefly. It was a real fun. Uh, but with vampires? But with vampires, yeah. Oh my yeah. god, I'm in. There's uh, already fan fiction about I, that. For I gotta be sure. honest, that was one of the better ones. Yeah. But we also watched this movie called Rottweiler, <laughs> which features a cyborg zombie voodoo Rottweiler ghost creature. What? I can't even explain to you what it was. <laughs> but it also features a whole lot of male nudity. Just okay. a, just a one dude. <laughs> And there's one shot where he's like climbing up a cliff naked and it's like from below and we were all like, oh! like just nobody wants to see that in a movie. That's not that's not a good angle for anybody oh, for nudity. No, but there's this reaction shot of a chicken. There's like <laughs> the, is the chicken reacting to the nude guy? No, the chicken is reacting to the Rottweiler showing up. There's a moment where a chicken's like <laughs> <laughs> on youtube because somebody else watched that movie and was also like what the hell man that movie is oh just oh i'm watching that immediately oh if you can find it man that movie is spectacularly bad (laughs) i but i love it right like it's i'm never gonna forget that movie yeah so oh all right well i think we'll leave everybody with the uh with the (laughs) image of a chicken reaction shot (laughs) so i think that i don't think there's a better place to end than that yeah so yeah thank you for coming and talking to me so much this is really fun it was really fun (laughs) thank you to swing on a star home in a jar uh thanks for listening uh today so that's the end of uh episode three with michaela i'm i'm counting this improperly maybe but sounds right all right, we're going to stick with three. Uh, so again, uh, I'd like to thank Tim, who you just heard. Uh, Tim Collingwood, the producer for this, who does way more work than me, which is great. Uh, I would also like to uh, thank Michaela for coming on the show. Um, I would like to thank our sponsors, which don't exist yet, um, but will in the future, I'm very they're confident. All nice. They're all, yeah. Despite non-existent. Yes, yeah, they're very nice non-existent sponsors right now. Um, and so you can check out, uh, I'm going to include the information for Slip, uh, along with this, which is something you should check out um, from Michaela. Uh, and next episode, we're going to be talking to Mike Hickey. Um, we're actually doing podcast tradesies, so he's going to come and do this podcast, and uh, I'm going to go do his, which is called the Fright Hype Horror Feature. Um, so we're going to uh, watch a horror movie, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, I think we're watching, and then we're going to comment on it. So you should definitely check that out. 
Um, not just because I'm on it. Check out the whole thing. It's great. Uh, check out Fright Hype and Crypt TV in general. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you. And all the monkeys are in the zoo. Every day you meet quite a few. So you see, it's all up to you. You can be better than you are. You could be swinging on a star.